Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. Good morning and welcome to Thursday's Opinion Line. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ for the next two days and then you'll have PJ back again on Monday. Well, coming up on today's show with work due to start on Monday on permanently pedestrianising 17 streets in the city, I'll be chatting to one business owner who says it will be a boost for her and many others after a very difficult year. I'll also be chatting to a mum from Douglas who needs a new pancreas and kidney. She'll be urging more of us to carry organ donor cards. Plus the of sea swimming. So many are raving about it and so I wanted to know more. That story after 10. The number to call is 1850-715-996. Text WhatsApp 083-396-9696 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie. Now kicking us off this morning, we have some good news for people on the north side of the city after it was announced that South Dock plans to reopen its Blackpool facility. Thomas Gould, Sinn Féin TD for Cork North Central joins me now. Thomas, good morning. Good morning, Fiona. How are you? Good, good. How are you this morning? Now, on the face of it, it reads as good news, doesn't it? Yeah, well, listen, I, I welcome the announcement. Uh, this is something that we've been waiting for for over a year. But the I, I would really prefer if they would give us a definite date because there have been announcements about South Dock in the past. Mm. And what I'm looking for now is a firm commitment of the date they're going to open because there are people now at the moment who are travelling right across over to the Kinsale Road. Other people are travelling to Mallow and it's not fair on the people of the north side that they don't have an out-of-hours GP service. So I welcome the announcement. But like, We're being told, Thomas, that it's scheduled appointments towards the end of April. But like, what does that mean to the general public? You see, my fear is when you say scheduled appointments that uh, this is not going to be a full service and that's the other thing that I've contacted the HSE about. I want a commitment from the South Dock that they'll give, that they'll have a full service in Blackpool and uh, so I'm, I'm still, uh, I, to be honest, I'm very sceptical of South Dock. Um, they've tried this before in the past. The question is, can we trust them? And that's why we want it in writing from the HSE a definite opening date, a definite list that this will be a full service and not, uh, and that they won't try to pull a fast one on the people of the north side. You said you contacted the HSE. Was that yesterday, looking for an opening date? S- sorry, Fiona? You said that you had contacted the HSE already, had you? That's right. I rang the HSE twice yesterday mm-hmm. um, looking to speak to them because I sent them emails and I contacted them. Like, we've been told about this meeting that they had last week for, for over a month. Um, why there was such a delay, I don't know. And then, when they had a meeting last week, we still received no correspondence. So I actually rang the HSE yesterday by phone looking for an announcement because people are constant, constantly contacting me, Fiona, wanting to know when there's going to be, uh, when they're going to have the service back because... We've had situations where people have walked out to the Kinsale Road. We've had people uh, at night who've had to drive long distances with sick children, children with disabilities, children with uh, really serious conditions. And they're saying, no, when will they have their service back? So I I welcome the news, but it's a cautious welcome. And I just want to confirm that this is a full service and a date because this should have never happened. The, the people of the north side have been have been without a GP service for over a year, and 
Like, that would happen over else, Fiona. So you're going to keep pressing the HSC now, yeah? 100%. My first email today now will go to the HSC again. I'd say they love the sight of me. <laughs> <laughs> because and I just want to thank everyone. We've had over 1,300 people who signed the petition. We'd have people who contacted them. Uh, through email, through letter, through social media. We've led a great campaign and it's down to the people because the people of the North Side, when this happened, the anger and the frustration and the feeling of being left down by South Dock. And the, the other thing, Fiona, I think one of the big reasons too we, we've gotten this this far is I wrote to the PAC, was the Public Accounts Com- uh, Committee, because South Dock were getting paid millions to provide the service and I believe that they weren't and it was very funny uh, or uh, coincidental the date that the uh, last month when it was up in um, the Doyle and when it was being heard by the Public Accounts Committee whether they would invite South Dock in that the day before they, they met there was an announcement that it would be reopening again. So it's the the Public Accounts Committee have written to the HSE looking for a full breakdown because there's 7.3 million paid every year to South Dock, and that's everyone's money. And if they are being paid for that, they should be giving the people the service that they deserve and that the people are paying for. Were you talking to some locals on the north side yesterday? What was their reaction to the news that it is going to reopen and what kind of a difference is it going to make to their lives? Yeah, do you know what it was? People, there was kind of like a sigh of relief or people were people saying uh, about time and I was just saying to him, listen, it's a cautious welcome. It's good news. We want to be positive. Um, but I just want to see it in writing that we have a confirmation of the date and a full service. But people, one of this, Fiona, like, and I, I've spoken to you, you've covered the story uh, from the very start. Mm. Um, people people felt it was very unfair. They felt that it was a, a, another hit against the North Side. The once again, the North Side were going to lose out and so when they heard it yesterday, they felt that it was down to all the, the campaigning that people done and how people, like, you covered it, uh, the Echo, the Examiner, we got a lot of coverage locally. And the reason for that is people badly need it. Yeah. Thomas, listen, thank you very much for joining us on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM this Thursday morning. We have a caller in, I believe, on line three, Wayne, I think it's Willie, is it? Yeah, this is Willem here. Yeah, I was just on. Hello. Good morning, Willie. You wanted to comment on what Thomas Gould was saying there. Like, I know what Thomas knows. I'm fairness to him now. Like, I give him great credit for it, right? He was the first TD to stand up on the North Side and fight for the South Dock that closed in Blackpool. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. But the situation here now is right because I was on the Fergal about it. I'm very upset about it because I live on the North Side of my life. Mm-hmm. And on this, they closed that centre down there in Blackpool. With no one actually even knowing they're on the north side. What was going to happen? All right? Yeah. Until it was said, and the one less door was closed down. The one saying that, the one on the south side was kept opened, right? And the north side, Glamour, as I spoke to PJ before about it, Blarney, Torf, right? They are all incorporated into that south dock in the, in the sunbeam, okay? Mm-hmm. All the people that have children that are sick of themselves go there, right? Now, I've met two people during the week. One had a sick child, and one of the person themselves was sick as well. Now, they weren't sick from corona, right? It was a black flu and a chest infection, okay? Yeah. 
and they were told on the phone by the nurse, go to the Samoa Road if you want to see a doctor. And they're from Farnley, and from the top of ground. That was their option, right? Or otherwise, go to the West Name, the Mercy Hospital, go to the CUH, right? Or whatever your condition is, okay? Mm. Well, you'll be waiting hours. Well, South Dock is very good. You could be in and out in the space of 20 minutes. So, right? Willie, do you feel that the north side has been let down over the past year? We, we've been thrown to one side. We've been neglected. Right, thrown to one side. They have everything over on the south side, right? And we have we have very little here, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a disgrace, a total disgrace. I've been quite honest with you. That, right. that was closed down there. And people, there's a lot of elderly people living in the, side, the north side, right, and around me, right? Mm. And I think people get sick and they haven't got transport. I told PJ this the last time, right? If they haven't got transport, right? Are you telling me a person 60, 70 or 80 years of age should be able to get on a bus and go to the south side to see South Dock and the Tremor Road? Should a bus don't even go to the Tremor Road, the number three? You'd have to walk from Tunnels Cross down to it. And Willie, when you heard the news yesterday that it is going to reopen, but we don't have a definite date, they just said towards the end, the end of April. What was your What was your reaction to that? My reaction to that is that they're not giving no, they're not giving no certainty on it. Come the end of April, if there's a spike again in this pandemic, right, this corona, right, that won't reopen. And their excuse will be, there's too many people having on the north side of the city, we can't reopen it, still the endless. Yeah. That'll be their excuse. Well, Willie, let's hope we get a date very soon and the service resumes for people like you and those that you met last week. Listen, thanks very much for joining us on the Opinion Line. Coming up after the break, the plans to pedestrianise much of the city centre. That's next. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 396 On Cork's 96FM. Welcome back. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ today. Now, Cork City Council has confirmed that work will begin next week to permanently pedestrianise 17 streets in the city. We got a taste of it last summer in parts of the city and now it will happen all over again, this time for good. I'm joined now by Aggie Barron and she's from Teddo's Tapas Bar on Princess Street. Good morning, Aggie. Hi, how are you? Aggie, is it Tedos or Tedos? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it could be both, but it is Tedo. Tedo, is it? All right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Myself and my friends always call it Tedos. So <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. There. Okay, so welcome news for you and other businesses in the city. What was your reaction when you heard the news yesterday that this work is going to begin on Monday? Oh, yeah, that is really, really good news. Like, we already had a tryout um, last year, so we know how good it is, you know. What difference did it make to your business last year? Oh, a big difference. Like, first of all, uh, it provided kind of, um, you know, outdoor dining with the social distancing. So for the current situation, um, it's just perfect, you know. Um, so it, it, it's been really, really good. And the uh, customers and the people way feeling way safer to sit outside, like, you know. Yeah, and I think like a lot of people in other cities were looking at Cork and saying, you know, it looked it looked really good. There was a great atmosphere on Princess Street last year. Oh yeah, very much. I think everybody was there. First, it was all the all the Cork people were there, and then within a few weeks, was all the holiday people. You know, the Irish people who were holidaying in Cork as well. Mm. So they all had amazing, amazing uh, opinions about it. Like they really felt like they were on holidays in a different country. And Aggie, obviously it's beautiful when you're able to sit outside and the weather is lovely. But what about when the weather is not so lovely? What about when it's raining and when it's freezing? Are there provisions in place for when the weather turns like that? 
Uh, exactly. So from the very beginning, we were always like worried, okay, what happens if the summer will just, you know, turn around and it starts raining and, mm. you know, getting windy and stuff. So from the very beginning, we were planning for the weatherproofing anyway. You know, it was just a matter of time to figure out what to do about it. So now um, there's a big project in place as uh, so we will have that um, uh, sponsored and, you know, paid for already. So it's it's great news, like, you know. Oh, lovely. So what will it be like a canopy over the street? Uh, so it will be kind of like a large umbrellas, which will kind of join together. Um, and that will look like a one huge kind of a dining street. Mm. Um, so it's going to look really, really good. Fantastic. And I know that we haven't been given a definite date as to when restaurants can reopen. Um, are you hoping yeah. that people will be able to eat outside very soon or, or what? have you got any steer on that yet? Uh, like we have been not told anything um, yet, but to be honest, I'm personally hoping that it's going to be pretty soon. I, I think that with the summer coming up, I think the cases will just go down. Um, that's what happened last year anyway. Um, so I think so that we're just going to give it like a few weeks down the road mm. that will give us time to to prepare and there's going to be work going on in the city now so it's perfect time for that. Um, and then yeah, that few weeks and hopefully we'll be, we'll be back on the street. Yeah, looking forward to that. And then hopefully indoors maybe later in the year. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. But to be honest, we, we enjoyed outdoor much, much more better than indoor, to be honest. Like at the beginning, we didn't know what to expect, mm. but, um, but it was, it was really fun. We really enjoyed work. Like in Tito in general, we enjoy work every day, but. Uh, to be outdoor uh, with the sunshine and the happy customers, it was just something else. Yeah, I mean, you can't beat a lovely table of tapas when you're sitting outside oh. in the sunshine. <laughs> it makes us yeah, feel like we're yeah, abroad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. This- like, we have a large scale of regular customers already, but we met so many new people last year who were like, oh my goodness, I never knew this place was here. <laughs> and they were like ordering stuff and they were like, oh, we never knew you can eat like that in court. <laughs> Aggie, thanks very much for joining us on Cork's 96FM this morning. Now let's bring in Owen O'Sullivan, President of Cork Business Association. Owen, good morning. Good morning, Fiona. You heard the uh, dreamy scenario being painted there by Aggie. It's good news really for the city, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's incredible. Um, look, I suppose the last 12 months have been a challenging year for business, but I think in Cork we've received some really positive news. We had our Taoiseach down a couple of weeks ago announcing over 400 million euros worth of funding uh, provided for Cork. We've seen the Tower Holdings uh, uh, group and their custom house key planned for the tallest building in Ireland planned for for Cork also and the Docklands development. And now we've the pedestrianisation of 17 streets uh, in in the city and we've seen the success of that last year. Um, It's been, um, look, overall it's been a difficult year Cork has definitely bucked the trend nationally and I I have received phone calls and I know many businesses in the city have received phone calls from colleagues across the country from Dublin, Galway, Limerick, Waterford to ask how are they doing it, how are we doing it in Cork City, Uh, how is this uh, on-street dining project working Mm. and I suppose this we've been the envy of a lot of our colleagues uh, and I suppose this is the result of Cork City Council, cabinet members, business groups and it was business led uh, to help improve uh, and improve the safety of uh, customers coming in to the city and dining and socialising in a safe environment. 
Oh, and you uh, mentioned I'll, that it's been a very difficult year for businesses in the city and across the country. Do you think that um, this announcement yesterday and with the longer days ahead and the sunnier weather, that there's a sense of hope now for, for businesses in the city? Look, there's, there, there definitely is. Uh, and look, there, there are so many people who want to get back to normality. Uh, but we all want to do, do that when it's safe to do so. Um, and I think it's important to recognise that so many people have sacrificed so much uh, for the interest of public safety. Many business owners have closed their doors in the interest of public safety. And I think we've played our part as a business community and we want to get back to business. We feel it's now that the time is right as the weather is improving. We can eat outdoors. It will be a lot safer. Now, look, the outdoor dining piece is so important for Cork. It's improving the public realm space. It's improving accessibility for the public. It's giving the streets back to the public and the business owners. But it's not the, the end game is we want to get back to full service. So this is a step in the right direction. And we, we would like to see uh, click and collect return for non-essential retail in the short term and getting back to reopening non-essential retail because there's a certain synergy with both hospitality and retail in the city centre that people don't just come in to just to go to one shop. They come in and they shop around the city and they go for a coffee and they might go back to shopping and come back then and go for a bite to eat and drink. So, so it's all part of that overall experience when you come into Cork City. So look, we're, we're eager to get back to that situation. We want to do what it's safe to do so. Mm. Uh, but we feel that figures are, are dropping and that time is coming closer. So definitely we're very, very hopeful for that. Obviously, 17 streets being pedestrianised, that's a lot um, and it's going to be great. But for some restaurants, outside dining won't be enough in terms of financial survival, will it? Exactly. And that's, that's the point is that on-street dining will suit uh, certain uh, operators in the city, but it won't suit every operator. And we need to acknowledge that and we need to be mindful of that. So still the end game is in sight that we want to get back to full service and reopening our businesses uh, in a safe manner. Uh, and look, what I think there's an open dialogue between the stakeholders of the city and cabinet members that we, we're, we're continuing to communicate back, uh, that we want to get back to business in a safe environment. And I think we proved that we've done that last year. Uh, and look, I think, as you said, there's hope there now that we can get back to business. But look, I think it's just important to clarify that it's not it's not just we're opening the streets and everyone can show tables and chairs. There's a process involved. Mm. You have to apply to City Council. You have to get a permit, which they're offering free of charge at the moment, to help incentivize businesses, to give those businesses added space to, to accommodate their customers in a safe environment. I know, and there's a big date on the CBA calendar tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So we're launching our, uh, we have our CBA Cork Business of the Year Awards, which is on April 17th. Uh, it's the first time we're hosting the event virtually. Uh, and Fiona, we've received a record amount of applicants for the Cork Business of the Year Awards. And that's, that's very heartwarming and promising because people still want to keep that connection with their customers and promote our businesses still in this environment. So we've received um, over 10,000 public votes uh, over the last number of weeks. And this is the first time we opened up the voting to, to uh, the public, which gives that uh, process a bit more c- credibility and integrity. But we have uh, our, our Taste of the City hamper, which is on sale at the moment. So any of your listeners can log on to cbaawards.ie and purchase a uh, uh, food hamper that is a collaboration of chefs from Nash 19 to the Shelburne Bar to the Imperial Hotel, the Kingsley Hotel, the International Hotel uh, and the Vienna Woods. And there's so many small suppliers also involved in, in, in that food 
food hamper. So, look, we'd encourage people to get online and, and purchase uh, the Taste of the City at Home hamper. It, it's supporting the Cork Business Association. It's supporting Marymount Hospice. Uh, but more importantly, it's supporting the business community in Cork. Uh, and look, we'd love people to get on and support us in that. Brilliant, Owen. Thanks very much for that. Now, um, we have Ashling on line three. She wants to make a point about uh, the pedestrianisation of the streets. Good morning, Ashling. Morning, Fiona. Um, you wanted to make a point about um, blind people that they felt ignored and disregarded last summer. Yeah, what I've noticed is um, when I've been going into the city centre um, within the last year and that, um, that a lot of these businesses, when they were allowed to have the outdoor dining, that I just felt that visually impaired people, um, I have a guide dog and that we're just being forgotten about. It's just plank all the tables and chairs out on the table and it doesn't matter if we can pass or not. Um, our dogs are trained to stay on the footpath more or less at all times. We have to do off-curb obstacles when when situations arise, but mm. it's always important to stay on the footpath. Um, Oliver Plunkett Street there on the side of the GPO, um, I, there's certain parts of that footpath that I have to come out on the road a lot due to tables, chairs and notice boards being on the footpath. So would you like businesses and the local authorities then to take on board what you're saying and to consider people with um, you know, blindness and other disabilities as well in this plan? Yes, um, I, that's what I would be appealing for today is just for us to be remembered and we say for wheelchair users as well. Mm. Um, if they're on their own, like them to have to come off the footpath and onto the road and even like that, it could be very like dangerous, we say, especially for a visually impaired person or an elderly person having to come out onto the road and stuff, like getting on and off steps. Mm. Brilliant. Ashley, listen, thank you so much for calling the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM this morning. What are your thoughts? What difference do you think this will make for the city this morning? You can contact us. Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 0833-969696. or 0833-969696. Now, if you were listening to the show on Tuesday, you'll have heard Damien chatting to me about his frustrations over the large gatherings at the lock. And in particular, how some people were using a laneway next to Lockview Terrace to urinate in. Let's have a reminder of what Damien was telling us. Like, there was a woman with a four-week-old baby two weeks ago, and they urine, she came out and they urinated right across our front door. And she said, and he started flashing at her. Mm-hmm. You, you walk down that laneway, and it's stinking. Like, all we're looking for is a gate to be put up there. This gateway, do you think that that's going to solve the issue or will you still it, have people it, urinating in people's gardens? It, it, it'll solve the issue for us, people from coming up to our gardens. Like, it's not nice to open your curtains and there's a, like, for instance, there's a girl the other day fell open the curtain and she did cat suit on and she take off the old cat suit to go to the toilet. Oh, God. <laughs> and and he, he will say to him, they're shooting abuse back to you. Yeah. And there's gang fellas up to the end of the day and we said to him, they're urinating and they put down their pants walking up the lane in front of the kids. Well, Damien's on the line now. Good morning, Damien. Good morning, Fiona. How are you? So, Damien, you were looking for a gate to be installed and it looks like Cork City Council has granted your wish. Well, that's, that's the, what they're saying in here. When they do, there's a thing now. Right. What have you heard? Well, we heard there's a gate going to be erected there and it's be open and closed at certain times. 
like the residents will have keys for it. Okay. It has to be opened during the day, like. So is that going to alleviate the problem then for yourself and other locals in the area? Oh, it will. It'll stop the, when they're all drinking down the lock and gathering to come up our lane or gardens. Like in, in the warm weather, the gate will be closed. Hmm. When the gatherings and blocking that. Like for the last couple of days, it was so cold, there's no one down there. No, no one down the lock. We have no problems. Yeah. If the warm weather comes out. So will you be calling on the council to have this gate installed before the next spell of warm weather? Oh yeah, be, next week or two is supposed to be happening, we were told. Mm. If you understand, Mick, Mick Finn is on there, said he'll get it done very quickly, he said. Right. Do you think, Damien, that there's an issue around public toilets, the need for public toilets in amenities, in amenities like the lock? Oh, there, there should be, like, there's no public toilets in the Cork City. Mm. There's none whatsoever. Like, if, if you put two public toilets down the lock, and there's going to be 5,000 people down the lock in the summer there, they're not all going to go into public toilets. They're going to go Berlin into our gardens. Like, it's not just the public toilets we need. We need not just two, we need a lot of them around the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damien, listen, thanks very much for your call on Tuesday and for taking the call from us again this morning. We're putting a call out there to the public. Do we need more public toilets at amenities in the Cork, like at the Lock, Balancholic Regional Park, anywhere where people are gathering for walks, having a coffee? Do we need more public toilets? Call us on 1850-715-996, text or WhatsApp 0833-969696. After the break, I'm going to be talking to a woman from Douglas who needs a new pancreas and kidney and she wants you to consider organ donation. This is Cork's Gold Imro award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996 on Cork's 96FM. Welcome back to Thursday's Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Now, this morning, a story that Sarah Horgan has in today's Echo about a mother from Douglas who's in need of a new pancreas and kidney. Christine, good morning to you. Good morning, Fiona. How are you? I'm very, very well. And how are you? I'm good. Thank you, Lee. So, Christine, just tell us a little bit about your condition. Um, so basically, I'm an end-stage um, kidney failure. Um, so at the moment, I'm going through dialysis here based out in, in hemodialysis based in the COH um, four days a week. Um, so I do two mornings and two nights um, shifts out in dialysis. Um, and I'm basically trying to get on the transplant list. Um, so I'm going... This July, I'll be two years doing my hemodialysis now, trying to get on the list to hopefully get a kidney and a pancreas. And have you any idea when you may get on that list? Well, I suppose the pandemic hasn't helped things um, to try and get there because obviously we have to go up to Dublin to get all our um, to get the final test done before we get on the list. Right. Um, all the tests and everything I've done here in Cork, I have done. Um, so I'm hoping, hopefully by the summer, that I might get to Dublin. Um, but it's just hoping at this stage. And Christine, like you're a busy mum of two little children as well, aren't you? So how is this I, all affecting your your daily life? Um, I suppose affecting daily life, it can be tough times. Um, thankfully, at the moment, 
generally I have energy, but you could be after dialysis, you could be absolutely exhausted mm. where you just don't have energy to do anything with them. My two boys are 12 and 3, so as you can imagine, it is yeah. kept going in the house. Um, so, like, just being able to even go for walks when you're off, um, I thankfully can at the moment. Um, but there's been days where you just come home from Dallas and all you want to do is take to the couch. But mm-hmm. obviously, you have to, running around after a two-year-old and a 12-year-old, you have to And do they going. have any idea, do, do they have any understanding that mummy's sick? Um, my smallest fella, I suppose, doesn't know the fulls in and outs. Now, he obviously knows that I go into the hospital, but mummy's going in to get her medicine from the doctor, as he puts it. Um, well, my 12-year-old would know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, now, at the very start, when if you, when back in 2017, when we were first finding out about my kidneys and all that, I suppose he was a bit on the younger side. We didn't tell him the full ins and outs. Mm-hmm. But as he's getting older, and I suppose kids being kids, as they cap onto stories or listening to conversations and all that, and we just sat down and went through everything. Now, thankfully, my father had a double transplant um, nearly 11 years ago um, and is fighting fit and doing very well. Fantastic. um, (coughs) My eldest fella obviously has seen that side of it and so knows that Grandad had it and that mum will be going through this. Um, So he has seen both sides of it, I suppose, in his eyes, so he knows the good results of it as well. And seeing your dad with a successful outcome, does that give you hope then for yourself? Oh, it definitely does. It gives me full hope. Um, I can remember from from dad being on the list. Um, Thankfully, dad never needed dialysis. um, So that was new to the whole family going through the dialysis scenario here. But I have brilliant family support from my parents and especially from my husband, um, as you can imagine, being in and out of hospital, it takes a toll on the whole mm-hmm. family, not just yourself. Um, they have to keep the kids going. They have to keep the house going themselves as well. Yeah. Um, so it does take a toll on everyone. And I suppose there's always light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully, if we get on the list. And Christine, you were only 21 when you were diagnosed. Like, how did, like, how did you even take that in? How did you process that kind of information at that age? Yeah, I was diagnosed at 21 with diabetes, which is, I suppose, the starting point of it. Um, so it, w- it was only when I was pregnant and with my smallest fella back in 2017, we had the kidneys. But at 21, I suppose, it was a shock at first. Um, it was the week of my 21st birthday. So it was a total shock finding out. Now, mm. my only consolation was that my dad was a diabetic um, and my aunt is a diabetic, so we've had it in the family. So I knew the ins and outs of it. I'd grown up knowing about diabetes mm. um, and seeing my dad go through it, I suppose. Um, so it, was, it took a while to get used to the idea and starting doing the injections and just doing it all yourself and managing it. But eventually you get the hang of it. Um, now I have been, thankfully I haven't had the best health over the last three years. Um, but thankfully now, being on the dialysis and um, better, better control, I suppose, with the diabetes, due to all that, everything is hopefully starting to look up for me. 
And Christine, obviously there's been an awful lot of organ donation awareness campaigns. Like how important is it to you now to, to you know, how important is organ donation? Because it's literally going to save your life. It's going to save my life and it means more family time, I suppose, with kids and being able to do stuff, even just going on a foreign holiday. You know, foreign holidays seem, with the <laughs> pandemic, seem distant away as it yeah. is anyway. With just being able to go places with them and being able to have the energy and being, I suppose, doing, looking forward to do birthdays, occasions with them that we can really enjoy. Um, it is so important and there's so many families out there that are looking for the organ donations. Like, I suppose, we always knew, I always knew about people being on dialysis, but it's only on you start, you realise how many people are going through this with you. Mm. Um, and how many people need it. And what kind of a message would you give to people then um, about organ donation, about like considering, if people are considering it, like how did they sign up or, or how does it all work? What would you say to people? Well, basically the most easiest one, I suppose, is literally with your driving licence. When you're filling out your forms, there's a tick a box that you want to be an organ donation. Most certainly do it. And obviously, if you have that done, but make sure you have your family told or have mm. a conversation with friends and family that you do want to be an organ donor, that you do want your organs to go to someone. And I suppose the only, if if any family are in the situation where they have to consider it, my only thing w- would be, obviously, they're going through a hard time at mm. deciding this. But just think that your family members lives on through someone else. Um, and I well, hope you have knowing that your family has done that to another family and that mm. they live on inside someone else. And I suppose for a lot of people there's a comfort in that, isn't there? To know that, okay, that their loved one is gone but that there is a part of them giving life to somebody else. There must be huge um, comfort in that and I certainly know like we're ever so grateful for the donor family that donated to my dad nearly 11 years ago like we know for a fact that the, my dad's um, two um, kidney and pancreas mm. both came from the same donor oh. um, at the time so we do know like we are so grateful for that family for making that decision um, back then and how important it is and I hope uh, like I hope that they have comfort knowing that yeah. their family member has lived on through my dad. Well, Christine, hopefully you get on that transplant transplant list very soon and thank you so much for joining us on the show this morning. Some of the comments coming in on pedestrianisation. Ruth says, I agree with Ashling about not leaving space between tables and the streets out of the restaurants, i.e. Princess Street was an example. The footpath is so narrow, I would always wheel my son up the street. It's much safer than the bumpy footpaths. Please spare a thought for the special needs person and the elderly with walking aids. On antisocial behaviour and urinating in public, Finn says, as you're on the subject of people urinating in public places, could you say hi to the guy that used my bird 
shared bath as a toilet on Sunday night. Ask him to pop back this Sunday. Disgusting. The Lock Antisocial Behaviour caller says, we had police on the beat, then all this became community policing and that was the last we saw of them. There should be a cycle patrol on hot days and beauty spots like the Lock. Also, you might have more some sympathy for the young people there if they just sat around in groups enjoying themselves or even had one can, which is against the law, but don't doubt that they go up there with slabs. We all know that how that is going to turn out. They know it's going to end up in using the toilet on the street, rows, arguments, etc. Keep your comments coming in to us, 1850-715-996-083-396-96-96. Now, new figures released under the Freedom of Information Act show that the HSE received over 5.2 million euro in income from its public hospital car parks last year. The CUH has the highest with almost 1.3 million euro. Mick Barry Solidarity TD. Good morning, Mick. Good morning to you, Fiona. I hope they're, I hope they're giving you a pay rise for, uh, for standing in this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Just surviving the week now has been enough. <laughs> you'll, have, you'll have to get on to the union there, Fiona. <laughs> we'll all be protesting outside. <laughs> so Mick, um, this story this morning, do you think that the charges should be abolished? I think they should be scrapped totally. I mean, it's, a, it's an expensive enough business um, being sick in this country. Mm. Um, uh, very expensive business. Uh, and to have car parking charges every time you visit a hospital loaded on top of that uh, is simply unfair. So, yes, I think that they should be abolished. Uh, and I think, I mean, that will leave hospitals short uh, on the uh, on the income side. And I think the shortfall needs to be made up uh, by, by the state. The hospital shouldn't be left short. Um, but the the charges should be abolished without a doubt. So you think there needs to be more state funding for hospitals like CUH? Yes, there does. Uh, absolutely. I mean, the money that's uh, coming in from car parking charges is a small fraction of what it takes to run a hospital. Uh, but it's uh, it's a it's a lot of money uh, for people who have to visit the hospital, particularly people who have to visit on a regular basis. So let's have a look at it. Uh, in 2019, CUH uh, made. 2.6 million uh, from car parking charges. It was by far and away uh, the most money made by any hospital in the state. Second place was Galway. They were more than a million euro behind. And then last year, CUH made 1.2 million. So even in the middle of a global pandemic where activity in the hospital is way, way down, uh, they still made over a million euro in parking charges uh, last year. That's a million euro coming out of uh, the pockets of ordinary people uh, whose only, you know, the only reason they have to be there is because uh, they're sick, they're not well, or they have a loved one or a relative who's sick or not well, shouldn't be penalised for that with uh, parking charges. Mick, if we do abolish the charges and then the state doesn't come forward that, with that funding, where does that leave the hospital then? Well, it would leave the hospital uh, shortchanged. Um, and, you know, there, there possibly are uh, perks uh, for for some of the the, the the top brass in the hospital uh, that could be looked at, but that shouldn't be the situation that the hospitals are left short charged. I think the minister Stephen Donnelly has said that he's examining this issue. We've heard this type of response from ministers for from health in the in the past. But if the issue is being examined, what needs to happen is the idea of abolishing the charges needs to be linked with increasing the state funding for the hospitals, and that's something that we'll be pushing for. 
Brilliant, Mick. Listen, thanks very much. If anybody agrees with Mick or wants to get in touch with us, eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six or 0833969696. After 10, we'll be hearing about the antics of the Glenville Fox. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Welcome back to Thursday's Opinion Line. Fiona Corker and in for PJ Coogan. Now, the issue of public toilets has got lots of you contacting us on 1850-715-996 and 083-396-9696. Timmy says, drinking in public places comes hand in hand with needing a toilet. We have the same issue here in White Point, which was covered yesterday on the show, but the issue with these people drinking and going to the toilet in people's gateways, it's absolutely disgusting. We don't need extra public toilets. We need to tighten up on antisocial behaviour. Councillor McNugent called in to say public toilets badly needed in the city centre, waiting on the council to bring forward policy in this regard. Councillor Ted Tynan also contacted us and said, I saw a lady in Parnell Place and she was caught short and she went to the toilet on the street yesterday. She lowered her clothes down as far as her knees. She had to arrange her personal hygiene as well. It must have been incredibly embarrassing, I can imagine. This is a disgraceful sight to be seen in a modern European country. We need individualised street toilets that you just pay to go into and they need to be policed properly and if there are men and women with addiction problems, outreach teams can hook up with them there as well. It's all a package. You cannot just stop providing toilets just because our society has addiction problems. I feel very sorry for people with bladder and bowel problems. Indeed, anybody, if you want to get in touch with us about those issues or anything that we're talking about on the show, 1850-715-996-083-396-9696. Now, for something a little bit different, Shandon Sweets is a name known and loved by many in Cork. They've been making sweets at their shop and factory in the Shandon quarters since 1929. Covid though meant the shop came to a shuddering halt but then the family turned to online trading and it's really taken off for them. Tony Lenehan, good morning to you. Hi Fiona, how are you keeping? I'm very well, I'm very well, how are you? I'm great, great this morning. Good stuff, good stuff. So Tony, first of all, can I take you back? When did you get into the sweet making business yourself? Myself, I, I would you believe it, Fiona? This is, I think, my 40th year this year. Wow. So I went in there, yeah, yeah, quite young, <laughs> uh, 17, 18 when I left school. Uh, it was a family business and it was just a done thing to go in there and that was it. I just, you know, fell in love with it straight away and that was it. 40 years later, here I am, still standing here. And so did your family set it up, yeah? It was my grandfather, Fiona. My right. grandfather, Jimmy, set it up in 1929, he did. And why did he decide to get into sweets, or do you know? Himself? Yeah. Um, him, uh, back then, there uh, there obviously wasn't any sweet makers in Cork. And what it was, Fiona, was he was out one night. Uh, he, he was part of the snooker club in town, and he met this guy uh, from Scotland who Musgraves brought over. They were in down in the Cold Key at the time, where TK Maxx is now. And they brought over this guy from Scotland to show them how to make sweets for their own sales or whatever. And my grandfather met up with him, being curious, said, you know, can I get you know, can I give it a go or whatever? And that was it. He just got into it, he showed him how to do it, and we got this place here in Shandon Quarter, I suppose you call it now. Yeah. And that was it. The rest is history. And all the sweets are still handmade. They're all still handmade. That's the whole thing about it, Fiona. It's the handmade sweet thing. There's a lot of places doing them in mass production and whatever, but I think we're the very, very last ones here doing them handmade. 
and the factory and the shop are all on the same site? It's all on the same site, same place for the last 90 odd years, Fiona. It's made on site, sold on site. Same machinery, everything. And because of COVID, obviously the shop has had to close, but the factory is still going, is it? It is, it is, Fiona. Like, it's tough times for everybody. And it was the case, basically, of if we don't stay with the times, you obviously get left behind and your business just goes under. So I had to make a big change. So we went online, and I know it's very, very different to, you know, meeting people face-to-face and having Mm. a shop and the buzz of everyday life. But it's business, and since we did it, took over this online thing, it's been absolutely fantastic. It's It's just been great. And are you surprised by the reaction that you've gotten online? I am, Fiona, in a way, because to me it's just a job and you just get on with it like everybody else. Every day you get on with your job and you don't realise kind of what it means to people, what people think of the place or whatever. So when I did get a reaction like that, and especially after being nearly 12 months out, I thought people would have forgotten about the place, would have, you know, just moved on from different things or whatever. They didn't. People keep coming back because something in the place means something to someone always. And has it opened up the market for you? Because obviously you're going to have your regulars from Cork who would have popped yeah. into the shop all the time. But like, has it, you're, you're sending sweets all over the country now, are you? I am, Fiona. That's the thing about it. I'm posting stuff to places I've never been to, never mind been even heard of. I'm <laughs> looking at the addresses, kind of go, I have to look at the map and kind of go, Jesus, where is that? But, you know, that's just, the way it is when you go online you're opened up to the whole country not just your locality and once you open up to the whole country that's it basically word of mouth spreads because there's cork people all over the country and it's only when you do something like this then you find out how many cork people are all over the country and can you imagine doing this now for good are you is your online business going to remain well it, it will because it's kind of seamless and once you get it up and running, it kind of runs itself basically. You just have to keep supply and demand. Uh, the shop obviously will eventually open, hopefully, fingers crossed, when all this is over in the summer. So we still have our little shop to come into and the online stuff, I'm hoping it'll be a 50-50. Hmm. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how things go with this pandemic, Fiona. I suppose like online is brilliant, but it doesn't take away from the fact that you miss your customers and I'm sure customers miss going into the shop and that whole smell of sweets and being able to look at all the different colours. And They do. Yeah. They do, Fiona. And that's the thing. Over the years, I've had people come from like all corners of the world. You get a lot of people off the cruise liners come into me when they get off the cruise liners in Cove. They come up around this area here. And what they do is they, they buy their sweets, pay for them, and then I post them back to wherever they're living in the States or Australia or whatever. And you miss all that, hearing different people's stories, looking at different people every day. But hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll salvage something in the summer and I'll be able to open up again. Has it been difficult remaining positive and upbeat throughout the last year? It has, Fiona. It has indeed. You know, you get, like, especially... Since the last lockdown, the weather was so good. But the last three or four months with the weather being so bad and this, that, whatever, mm. sometimes you do look at it and kind of go, is, this ever, is it ever going to end? Is it ever going to, you know? But then when it gets brighter and you hear different stories or whatever, the main thing I think at the moment is just kind of keeping off kind of media as much as possible, news and whatnot, and not looking at it every five minutes because you're literally getting confused with different stories. So basically all you have to do is get up every morning, do what you do, 
and just get through the day and hopefully the months, I hate to say it, will fly by and we'll be over this before we know it. And uh, Tony, I wonder, um, you know, obviously you've got um, the most popular sweets. I think, did I read somewhere that it was clove drops? But for you, when yeah. you're surrounded by them and you're making them, are you tempted to keep eating them? <laughs> you're not, you're not, Fiona, no. <laughs> like, you wouldn't, because you wouldn't last very long. It's yeah. like a guy, if he owns a bar and he's fond of, you know, taking a drink, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to last in it very long because the temptation is too much. It's just a job at the end of the day, Fiona. The mm. only time I do take a, a sweet or maybe a little bit of a sweet or whatever is when we make new flavours I might take t- one just to taste it and see what it's like mm. that's it but if I did eat sweets on a daily basis or whatever I literally probably wouldn't fit out the door at the end and have you been working on any new flavours can we expect new flavours when you open up the shop I have and it's kind of a secret in a way <laughs> Fiona do you know what I mean I have a few flavours Right. in the pipeline or whatever because you always have to keep evolving with different flavours different textures and whatever and I have a few for the summer coming out whether people will like them whether they will whether they won't they'll just have to keep an eye on the website and as soon as I have them up and running I'll put them up there and people can taste them Oh can't wait <laughs> Sounds great <laughs> Good <laughs> well, Best of luck with everything Tony and listen thanks so much for joining us on Cork's 96FM this morning Keep your comments coming in to us 1850-715-996-083-396-9696 Michael has been in touch and he says he's been in contact to say loves the show as always happy sunny Thursday from sunny Ballincollig and a happy sunny Thursday to you too Michael and thanks for the lovely feedback on the show back after the break this is Cork's Gold Imro award winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan call us now 1850 715 on Cork's 96FM Welcome back. Now, Garode has been on touch on WhatsApp, boy 9696 and he wants to warn listeners of another scam doing the rounds. He says he received two calls yesterday from 022 numbers and it says Mallow County Cork when it rings. The voice is computerised and they say there's an arrest warrant out for you that you've committed crimes including fraud, money laundering and drug trafficking. So beware of that, everyone, and thanks very much for getting in touch to let us know, Garode. Now, um, I watched a lovely video on YouTube earlier this morning and shows a fox outside a home in Glenville. The fox appears most nights and it appears is fond of its supper. Tony Kennedy, can you tell me about the Glenville fox? Because you filmed it and uploaded it to your YouTube channel, um, Real Cork, didn't you? That's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I was, I was delighted with the experience uh, and it, it arose very simply. Uh, we put cat food out and, you know, it leaves some there during the night time. And at nine o'clock, uh, I just went out to look out and there was, there was the fox eating what's left over from the cat food. And it, it, I turned the light on and it didn't make any difference. Now, that was one thing about the Glenville fox, but the next day, it was the same, and the third or fourth day, it, it, it was the same, so it was almost like a, a nine o'clock touch to it. In fact, a woman sort of in response to, you know, when people write back, they said, did you know the hour was going forward, like, you know? So uh, there was a lot of... What, what really surprised me about putting the video up was that people really loved that fox. 
you know, you yeah. think, oh, it's a fox, or oh, it's a fox, but it did touch a lot of people's hearts. Now, I'm very surprised, certainly surprised, at the response to it. Do you think it's because it came up so close to your door and was eating the, the cat food out of a bowl and, you know, that it was in such a close proximity to your home? Oh, very much, yeah. And and also, it was very strange. You're walking down the hill, you know, just talking to the neighbours from the distance. And they said, oh, he was here last night at about half a state. And I found out as well, he was further down the hill. So it looked like he was making a tour up. And he's coming into second or third helpings when he got here. So <laughs> it, was quite, it was quite funny. So, no, it was a delightful. And then just to see it in the dark light, you know, the shape and form, I'm very frightened, kept looking to the left and to the right. Mm. And uh, now t- a few days have gone on now, but there he was. I waited up for him last night and uh, 20, 20 past 10, he arrived. And it, it was like a cub, you know, it, mm. I'm not sure of that with the sizes. And there it was again. And it, it, this is a strange habit they seem to have. Uh, with the bone or uh, meat, they take it away. Now, the, I thought they take it away to the dark side so they can eat it privately. Mm. But from the feedback I got, they obviously might be sharing that out with other members of the family. So there is, and they've always done that. Even last night, he took the meat and then off he went. And then he came back, but there was a dog barking somewhere, so he just went off around Mm. the corner. And why did you start leaving out the cat food for him? Had you seen him around? Well, it, it was just by accident, you know. Uh, didn't the first night was for the cat, and, and there was some leftovers, so the fox ate it. The second night, we have some bits and pieces around the house, so that's we, you know, we said, "Oh, we'll try it again." And when he turned up a second and a third time, we were delighted. So that time, where the video came from, I just got a camera and left it on video record for about half an hour because he was coming and going and coming and going, looking up and looking down, looking behind him. So, um, yeah, there's, you know, the, from the feedback, there's lots of lovely stories coming up about it. So about that fox or about other foxes? Well, about foxes in general. No. Just very briefly, there was a man and he was in lockdown and he was supposed to be a bit lonely and he was looking out the window, saw a fox and then started leaving food out for it. And mm. after a while, he had a great friend and he, he, he was able to feed the fox from his hands, you know, so that mm. was lovely. Will you try that? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> we tried it with crows. It didn't seem to work because they were all sort of uh, breeding. You know, it's gone into the breeding season. Uh, but let me say as well that uh, there's a lot of... A negative reaction against it, you know, with just on the fringe of it, you know, because farmers have been so hit by it. Uh, I think this is how a family in Ballysaga, just Waterford, and they're listening into this, and they said, don't send us the video about the fox, because they had about 20 hens, and it came, and it just, in the night, it just wiped them all out. Oh, no. And the strange thing about it, it just, and this is for foxes generally, they don't just eat or take one hen, they kill them all. And maybe somebody said that they might come back for another feed the other day. Mm. But people have been heartbroken over that. So there's a lot of bitter feelings about it, you know.
Yeah, yeah. And do you think that, like, by people in the neighbourhood feeding them, that they might stop killing people's chickens and stuff? Or is it just that that's in their, their nature? That's Well, that's, the, that's a good question. That, that question was tossed about with people. They said to me, well, if you feed them and they have enough food, they won't need to do any damage anywhere because they'll be well fed. Hmm. And on the other side of the coin, people said, well, the wild creatures and, the, you know, if you're going to take away the wildness from them, they'll be left vulnerable in a different way. So uh, and there's no scientists, uh, well, maybe occasionally on when you put these things up, but I'd be very interested too. And I imagine that people would, you know, uh, ring in here and just tell of the experience, whether it's in the country Mm. or whether it's in the city, because I'm quite sure they turn up in the city quite often as well, like, you know. And Tony, you put the video up on your YouTube channel, Real Cork. Now, that um, has been running for 10 years. Um, you've uploaded other videos as well that have been quite popular. What kind of things have been have proven to be a big hit? Well, I must talk about, just briefly, Stephen Hickey. He lives in the mountains here. And when I first retired, I had a dream. I'd put a caravan up in the hills and retire there and, and have a nice, quiet time, you know. Not from mm. the wife, I must say, you know. But to go up and, uh, and I met this man, Stephen Hickey. He had no running water, no toilets, no electricity. And I became friends with him. So I filmed him three times and, uh, you know, put them on YouTube. And uh, they were very popular. In fact, some of the videos have gone into the National Archives just just for people, how they lived. Mm. Now, he's dead five or six years now, Stephen. Mm. He was really... And Tom Barry, the, the other television cameras down when he finally got the electricity. That was six or seven years ago now. And then he lived alone there, right in the middle of the mountain. So that was very popular. And many others, like... And what I really want to do is hear people talking telling the stories of long ago and mm. they're there and they're on people's lips. They just want to come out and tell them. And it doesn't seem to be happening around Cork. Cork is full of richness of people. It's a lovely, lovely city. And some of these old stories are there for the tapping. And it's folklore, it's history in a mm. different fashion, you know. Brilliant, Tony. Listen, thanks so much for that. And if anybody wants to have a look at that uh, Glenville Fox, they can go on to Tony's YouTube channel, Real Cork. Now, coming up next, we'll be talking about anxiety. Do you experience it? Now, anxiety is something that affects so many of us. I read a post on Instagram this week by Dr. Cloda Campbell, the wellness psychologist, and she was talking about her own anxiety being through the roof these past few days. And I thought it would be great to get Cloda on for a chat about anxiety. So here she is. Cloda, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm very well. How are you this morning? I'm good, thank you. I'm happy to be here talking to you. And <laughs> we're happy to have you on. Cloda, uh, you said that your anxiety had been through the roof these past few days. Was there any trigger to to set that off or is just is it just the whole environment that we're living in at the minute or what caused the anxiety to go through the roof? I think probably anxiety levels have increased for a lot of people over the last year. We're dealing with so much. And also a lot of our typical ways of looking after ourselves have disappeared. You know, we can't go Mm. meet our friends, which can really help alleviate anxiety. The gyms are closed. Not that I'm much of a gym (laughs) owner myself. Um, You know, you're kind of stuck in your house with your family nonstop. So uh, 
a lot of our kind of normal ways of getting a bit of space or alleviating our anxiety have gone to the roof. So I think if, if people listening are feeling anxious at the moment or if they've noticed an increase in their anxiety over the last year, they would be, you know, with a large proportion of, of people, myself included. Mm. And like that level of anxiety that you were talking about, it can manifest itself on, in physically, um, like you were talking about like your muscles tensing up, not being able to breathe. That must be a very scary experience. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely feel anxiety in our bodies. And I know I hugely do. And sometimes, you know, I'm a psychologist, but sometimes I'll be going about my day and I'll realise that I'm feeling really, really tense or that I'm worrying excessively. Mm. And it takes, it even takes me a few minutes to kind of think, well, what's going on with me today? Why am I feeling like this? What's happened? What's after triggering it? And sometimes I don't find the answer. Um, so again, that's really normal with anxiety. And so many of us experience it to different, you know, extents. It's a spectrum like everything else. But yeah, I, I've definitely experienced anxiety for as long as I can remember now. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And like you were mentioning there about the lockdown and obviously all of the normal supports that you'd have in place are not there. And do you think the fact that people are in their little bubble, um, in their in their home with their family um, and, you know, they're looking at what's going to happen after we come out of the lockdown, that that's causing anxiety for people as well? I think so, definitely. I know I've been feeling that myself. You know, in one way, being at home with your family can feel you can get cabin fever and you know mm. you're yearning to see your family and your friends and do all the lovely things that you used to do but in another way you can feel very safe you know you're in your mm. own little bubble you know you can control what's happening um so the idea of going back into the world when it reopens can be really anxiety provoking especially for people who um kind of have a history of maybe social anxiety. I know sometimes when I'm planning to do something, I can feel a little bit anxious and then I go and I do it and it's absolutely fine and I always, um, you know, surprise myself. But yeah, people, it, it would be really normal for people to be feeling anxiety, anxiety now leading up to the world reopening and wondering what it's going to be like and what changes are going to be there and meeting up with people or even going back into the workplace after being, mm. you know, away for so long. And is it a case of building up a worst case scenario in your mind? 
We do that, don't we? We're desperate for that. I know I do. We catastrophize and we we think we won't be able to um, survive some circumstances. And I know I always surprise myself. And that's actually something I do when I'm feeling really anxious. I'll tell myself, I'll remind myself that I'm capable and that I've survived all of these things before. And even if something difficult happens, that I'll be able to survive it too. You know, if you ever have to have a conversation with somebody that you're not looking forward to, be it mm. like somebody in work or a friend that you know you've upset, I always tell myself, you'll get through it. It'll be fine. You're worrying about it, but there's no need. That really helps me. Yeah, I felt that before I started presenting the show when I was filling in for PJ this week. But um, it's just like when you're, you were talking there about when you're anxious and you're at home, uh, should you talk to your family about, when you're when you're having a good day, maybe talk to them about how you're feeling? Because, do you know, sometimes when we, when we feel anxious or we're more upset, we can take it out on those who are closest to us. Mm. Yeah, it can be really helpful to talk to, you know, the people around you for two reasons, I suppose. Number one, just to tell them how you're feeling, so to get a bit of support for yourself. Mm. Often sharing how you're feeling can just alleviate some of the tension and some of the stress. But then also to tell them, maybe help them understand why you might be behaving in the way that you are. You know, when I get anxious, I get really like uptight and I start cleaning the house and (laughs) I'll start kind of bossing my husband around. (laughs) So I love to say to him, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm just feeling really anxious today. And Mm. I know in myself... When I feel a bit anxious, I just kind of go into kind of action mode um, and that can feel very intense for him sometimes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that can be really helpful to talk to the people around you. And for anyone who's listening now and they have been experiencing anxiety over the last while and they're not really sure how to deal with it, do you have any advice on, on coping mechanisms on how we can get through those moments? So the first thing I would say is to have a think about if you think it's impacting your life, if you think it's impacting your life, if it's holding you back from doing things that you want to do or things that you need to do, I would definitely go have a chat with your GP, whether it's over the phone or to ring into the clinic and see if you can go in. GPs are a brilliant place to start and they are wonderful when it comes to knowing what the next steps are. And you talk about that together. You know, they'll never tell you or ask you to do something you know, that you're not comfortable with. But then things that are brilliant for anxiety that you can do yourself without going to speak to anybody. Exercise is wonderful for alleviating anxiety. It's been proven time and again to really help. Things like meditation and yoga have been linked to lowering anxiety. If that's something that you fancy trying, it might not be for everybody, but you could give it a little go and see if it helps. Mm. Um, Writing down how you're feeling is brilliant. It's been proven time and again that it helps alleviate anxiety it helps lower helps when you're experiencing kind of low mood um it helps when you're experiencing stress and overwhelm um what else is good talking to your friends is fantastic even just taking some time out um spending some time to yourself and just giving yourself some space to breathe all of that can be really really good when you're feeling anxious i always give lots of tips like this on my instagram page actually Mm a wellness psychologist so if people who are listening experience anxiety I talk about anxiety all the time so you know that can be another place to to have a look for a little bit of support I was going to ask you about that because you're very open about your anxiety on your Facebook page the wellness psychologist and are do you find a lot more people now contacting you privately um you know telling you about their anxiety and asking for advice I think people really appreciate 
the honesty because I think often we we experience these things by ourselves and we don't open up about it to too many people. But I think we are all so alike. You know, a lot of us are more alike than we realise. Mm. So many people experience anxiety. So by me sharing that I experience anxiety, even though I'm a psychologist and I know, you know, everything about anxiety, it just kind of normalises it a bit for people. Um, and of course, we experience anxiety for lots of different reasons. Some of the can be because of our personalities or our genetics or our, you know, things that we've experienced. Um, so it's really normal for lots of us to experience it. And people do send me lovely messages and a lot of them are just thanking me for being honest and talking about it because it helps other people feel less alone then. And do you think that we're putting a lot of pressure on ourselves nowadays, like that we're trying to, to juggle too many things? Yes, we are. We're trying to juggle a lot. And I know I'm a mum. I think mums can be particularly bad at at doing just that. Um, And often it's about taking a step back and thinking, well, do I need to do all of these things or do I need to do them all today? Mm. And sometimes it's about prioritising as well. You know, what actually do I need to get done? You know, often it's just that you literally need to get up, dress the family, feed them, Mm. and just that's enough for the day. Um, Or with yourself, it's, you know, just doing your kind of work and then clocking off and just looking after yourself for the evening. People put pressure on themselves to try to keep up with other people or to do all the things they feel they should do. But, you know, we shouldn't put those shoulds on ourselves. Um, That can be really, really unhelpful. And if you are in a state of anxiety or anxiousness, like how important then is time out by yourself or should you be taking time out by yourself uh, and, you know, are you spending too much time in your thoughts then or what would be your advice uh, advice around that? Yeah, I think we can get really caught up in that kind of internal dialogue in our head and often it can be very critical as well. We can be very negative, especially if we're feeling vulnerable or if we're feeling like we're struggling. So taking a step back and trying to distract ourselves from that internal dialogue can be really, really helpful. And that could be literally just going for a walk. You know, sometimes changing the energy can be really helpful. If you're sitting in your house or if you're sitting in bed, it's hard to shift that energy. Get out and get for a walk or even just a dance around the kitchen when you're playing your, you know, your Rihanna. Um, (laughs) That can be really, really helpful. Or sometimes what also can be helpful is taking 10, 15 minutes to write it all down just however it flows from, you know, the pen. And then often it's like like dumping your thoughts onto the page. And when we do that, we kind of process them, we work them and we release them and that can be really, really helpful as well. And, um, you know, obviously at the minute we're going through a really crazy time and there's so much happening in news in terms of COVID and giving out facts and figures on a daily basis. And, you know, people be scrolling through social media and it's there all the time. Um, and we've had a lot of people on this show in recent months who have said, you know, it's important to maybe set aside some times during the day to read the news or to listen to the news and then put it to one side. What do you think? Do you think that that kind of technique helps? Yeah, absolutely. I know myself, when I consume media like that, my anxiety goes through the roof, like instantly. I'll Mm. be sitting there watching TV and instantly my stomach will feel really anxious. So I really limit the the media that I consume. Like I I don't sit and listen to the radio news or the TV news at any set point of the day. If I happen to catch it, I'll probably, you know, listen to it for a couple of minutes. But I try to limit it. Um, I try to limit how much 
um, I'm exposing myself to things like that. Because between talking about the numbers, the deaths, the problems with the vaccines, how slow the rollouts are, mm. that can be really anxiety-provoking. You, you kind of wonder as well, I ask myself, how often do I actually need to hear this? You know, what? what is it benefiting me um, by listening to it every day? Because, you know, it can be really anxiety-provoking and a bit kind of depressing as well yeah. um, if you give too much of your time to it. Indeed it can, indeed it can. Listen, Cloda, thank you so much for all your tips and advice this morning. And if anybody wants to follow Cloda on Instagram, her Instagram page is The Wellness Psychologist. Now up next on the opinion line on Cork's 96FM, sea swimming. Are you someone who took it up as a hobby during lockdown or is it something you see others do as you scroll through your social media channels and think, I wish I could be one of those people who can jump into the freezing waters around Cork? Well, after the break, one woman will be telling me all about her sea swimming experience. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now 083 396 On Cork's 96 FM. Welcome back, Fiona Corcoran, in for PJ on this Thursday's Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. Now, this Saturday, join Trevor Welch on 96fm.ie for the excitement of the Premier League powered by TalkSport. We'll bring you exclusive live coverage of Manchester City v Leeds United at 12.30, Liverpool v Aston Villa at 3pm, then it's Crystal Palace v Chelsea at 5.30. The Premier League live online with now stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership. Listen Saturdays on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96fm.ie. Now, one thing lockdown has given us all is more time to do things that we wouldn't ordinarily do. For Cloda King, she took up sea swimming or to be more precise, sea dipping. Cloda, good morning. Have you had your sea dip this morning? No, unfortunately. With the kids off, it's a little bit more um, (laughs) difficult to get out first thing. But come Monday now with the 5K being lifted, we're... um, There'll be a couple of us, I'd say, Papa for Frankenstein. So, uh, can I just interrupt you there for a second? Sorry, would you be able to just talk straight into your phone, please? We're just having a little yeah. bit of difficulty there with the line. Yeah, you can. Hear oh, yeah, me now. that's much better. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, excellent. Thank you. So, Cloda, have you always been a sea swimmer, or has this just started during lockdown? It was last year. I suppose last May. Um, a friend of mine talked me into it, and it was something that I had always kind of been interested in doing but was never very brave enough. I can't swim. So I oh. suppose that was what kind of prevented me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I lived in um, Dublin for a while, so I was living in Dunleary, and up there there's, you know, um, the 40 foot and that. And I was always very envious of all the people going in at all different ages, and I always thought, geez, I'd love to do that. But, you know, I was kind of holding myself back. Mm. And um, when we moved back home, um, a couple of years ago then, I was like, you know, I live by the sea. Well, Carrigaline, which is close enough. And mm. I went to school on Cross Avon. So we were always by the sea. And never, I just never went into it. Yeah. <laughs> it was just um, so yeah, last year, kind of May, um, a friend of mine, Laura, talked me into it. said, look, you know, try it once at least. And you'll either hate it or love it. And, and did you it love it straight away? Straight away, yeah. Um, I think um, it was the the whole process of us building yourself up, the deep breathing going in, the bracing yourself for the cold. And I suppose because it was May or kind of late May, early June, 
the water wasn't as cold as I had anticipated, so mm. it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But, um, yeah, I loved it straight away. Couldn't wait to get back in. And what, like, you were talking about your friend. I have a friend who lives in Dunleary who does it every day as well. And I always look at her videos and photographs. And I don't know if I could do it. Because, like, she looks like she's red with the cold coming out of the water. And I'm just like, God, I don't know if I could uh, put myself through that, especially first thing in the morning. So, like, what what way do you feel afterwards? Uh, to be honest with you, quite exhilarated. I mean, at the moment, um, the water is quite cold. So if you're going in and just your swimsuit, you'd be wearing gloves and booties. Um, but afterwards, when you're coming out, the breeze will probably be cold, but your blood kind of rushes to the extremities, so you actually don't feel as cold as you thought you would. Um, but I think it's the mindfulness and that of going in. You're so consumed with not roaring your head off and you're so much that you're deep breathing, you're concentrating on how the cold feels on your skin and you completely decompress then, I find personally. And um, it's just been such a wonderful experience and it's a great way. Uh, it was interesting that you were talking there to Claude about mm. anxiety. Um, I would be generally quite an anxious person. I worry an awful lot and, uh, and I find that when I have this, when I start this low level anxiety kind of feeling creeping up, it's when I need to see the most. Yeah. And it is, um, you just kind of decompress when you when you get in there because you've been holding your breath and doing your deep breathing and then it's a, oh my God, that's brilliant. I really needed that. So you think that it helps with anxiety then, yeah? From a personal perspective, absolutely. Yeah. And I suppose the other people that are kind of, that I've met through it, um, they, everyone has a different story, what's mm. brought them to the sea. And, you know, I suppose we kind of, I made the mistake initially thinking that if I go in, I have to, I, you know, geez, I, I don't want to be a triathlete or anything like that. So I, I go in, I tread water, I do a couple of breaststrokes and, and that's fine. That's enough for me. Um, and so I've met an awful lot of more like-minded people who are really interested in that. So there's, there's groups for everybody. So there's dippers and bobbers and there's people who are practicing swimming, you know, for their triathletes and doing their mm. 5 and 10k swims. And so um, a lot of the people that I kind of came across when they initially came in and started dipping, it's really for kind of, they really needed to recess. You know, it's your control out to leave thing. Yeah. <laughs> you get in, you decompress, you recess. You're like sometimes if there's, even if there's a few people there, you might have arrived in a room at the same time. You'll walk in together. You mightn't ever speak to anybody inside there. It could yeah. be afterwards when you're chatting and like, Jesus, I really need that. That was amazing. You know, I, I just, I had a bad week and I really needed to get in there. And last summer when we were all able to go that little bit further, you did a call out on Facebook and um, asked others to join you for a morning swim as the sun rises. Do you think that, yeah. um, like what was the reaction first of all to that? And do you think that that's the best time of the day to do it? Uh, well, the morning sun is just unbelievable. It's great to see the sun coming up. You know, you both have the, the sun and the moon and the sky at the same time, which is beautiful. Um, it's a great time of the morning to do it in the summer because you could do it at 6.30, 6 o'clock, 6.30. So it kind of, it suited the group of us that was doing it, you know, when we were doing it then, it suited us. Mm. Um, and you'd find actually that there are quite a few people who do it and they're doing it before they go to work or doing it before they bring the kids to school. And for me, um, I'm a stay-at-home mum. My partner's working from home. So it was a perfect time for me because I would be able to get up, 
go do my thing, have my space for myself, with my own headspace, with the people that I wanted to be around. And it made a very good start for the day and put me in a really good frame of mind. We were doing it maybe three or four times a week in the morning. And then on the weekend, it might have been a little bit later. But now that the kids are back at school, we were going at kind of, you know, kind of half nine, quarter to ten. Mm. So straight from drop off, it was like drop the kids, like, quick get in. And this is <laughs> obviously maybe. your me time then during the week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like I've I've kind of reconnected with people that I haven't. You know, we always knew each other from being from the same area, and all last probably would have been the same year in school, and you know, in different schools and that, mm. and have become friends from having, you know, being at the sea as opposed to me being friends with a lot of my good friends who have kids the same age and we met through like toddler groups or whatever. This is nothing to do with the children. This is to do with you, yourself, you as a person as opposed mm. to you as a mum, as a partner, you know. It's, it's, it is that time for yourself. Like I said, you know, say anxiety and that and I told um, Terry yesterday when I was talking to him that like I would have a um, like a turbocharged PMS you know, and it starts about two weeks before I'm due my period. And, and so my level of anxiety starts like about two mm. weeks beforehand. And I really need to get in and decompress and do something for myself during that time. And um, it really helps with the anxiety. And I found by talking about it and by talking about anxiety and by, you know, going into the water and talking with these people that I came to, some people I'd never met before, that um, we were all, uh, all the women were kind of experiencing something quite similar. And it, it just so happens that now the amount of people that are going, like people that are on the WhatsApp group, and the people that generally kind of respond to we're going after school drop-off are women. Brilliant. And Claudia, just finally, um, for somebody like me who's never done it, are you, like, would be would your advice be to just run straight in or to just edge in little by little? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, um, I guess I just walked in and I think once you get kind of up to the waistline, you know, you're in. Yeah. So you may as well just hold your breath and keep going. There's a lovely, um, you know, Wim Hof is um, the kind of um, main guy at the moment. A lot of people are talking about him. Um, for, about, bre- about breathing and there's this guy Nyla Morku on he's on YouTube and he's on Instagram and he offers a 10 days of breathing challenge and it's mm. free and it's just about breathing and if you can do that like if you've done yoga you'll do your ujjayi breathing it's so helpful going in to do that because you're just focusing on your breath work going in and like you wouldn't be talking to anybody Okay. <laughs> we actually had a segment last week about Wim Hof breathing and PJ was trying it himself yeah. listen Claudia thank you so much and uh, best of luck with all of that you're listening to The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96 FM Welcome back to the last hour of the Opinion Line. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ today. Keep your comments coming in to us, 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. On the issue of public toilets, Councillor Paddy Deneen got in touch. Hi, Fiona. A motion to provide mobile loos to public areas such as the Lock, Marina, Mardyke and Grand Parade has been submitted to City Council. It would be towed in and positioned, maintained and then removed again later in the day. Hopefully, if accepted and adopted, 
adopted, a system like this can be put in place quickly and efficiently. Hopefully that will happen. We have to just watch and see. On the scams, Deirdre says, I got a call from four different phone numbers, two yesterday and two this morning. It looks like a Mallow number. The first one, I kind of got a fright, but when they kept calling. I guessed it was a scam. Thanks for that, Deirdre. And on the Shandon Sweet story, Tony has kept my family in business too. Our family are dentists. Mark in Bantry. Well, Mark, I suppose it just shows the moral of that story is everything in moderation. Now, uh, children don't need perfection. They need connection. That's according to lecturer in psychology and early childhood studies with the Open University, Dr. Mary O'Kane. She's written a new book called Perfectly Imperfect Parenting, Connection, Not Perfection. And she joins me now on the line to tell me all about it. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Fiona. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you for having me on. (laughs) And thank you for coming on. Uh, Children don't need perfection. They need connection. What do you mean by that? Oh, this is the, the sort of the overarching message in my book. I have this theory, Fiona, that as parents, we have we have just become in society today with uh, absolutely obsessed with trying to be this perfect parent. Mm. And I mean, it's obviously we take our role as parents important. You know, it's an important thing. I'm the same myself. But we seem to expect so much of ourselves, and we raise the bar so high that we nearly overprotect our children. It's influencing our parenting. When I think back to my mum's generation and her mum's generation, they weren't as worried about their parenting. They were sort of more relaxed, if you know what I mean. And I think our generation then became quite resilient. So a lot of what I'm talking about in the book is get rid of the guilt. Let it go. You don't have to be perfect. What's really important for their social and emotional development is you. It's, It's that connection. It's that relationship. And how much of that connection do they need? Because I think as parents, especially parents who are working outside the home as well, and we probably feel a bit guilty that we're not giving our children enough time. Is there a certain amount of time during the week that they need? Uh, Well, that's the thing. That's good news as well, Fiona, because it's actually quality, not quantity. Again, sometimes we, again, it's the guilt, isn't it? Sometimes we think, because I'm a working parent, and they go, no, I'm not getting enough time with them. But don't worry about that. It's about the quality of the time. There's a lady called Pam Leo, I quote in the book. What, what I've tried to do in the book is to take a lot of psychology and put it in really down-to-earth language and say, this is what the psychology says. This is what we can do, if you like. Mm. So this lady, Pam Leo, she talks about exactly this thing about it being quality. And you know, not to worry about the quantity, really focus on quality. And she talks about what she calls filling our children's love cup. And we need to fill their cup full of love so that they feel good about themselves. So if we say, if you try and aim for even 10 minutes a day, sort of one-on-one time, and you might not get it every day, not yeah. the end of the world, it's what we're aiming for. The time where you put away the phone, you know, it's gone, you're not you're hearing the ping and looking at it. Yeah. You put that away, and you're, if it's a little one, you're sitting on the floor and you're playing with them. If it's an older one, you're sitting and you're really face-to-face talking to them and connecting. And it's, it's just about building those bonds, really. Just 10 minutes is all they need. <laughs> exactly. Honestly, and really the research backs it up. This is a great, I love psychology, Fiona. Mm. I lecture in psychology and I absolutely love it. And I think it's a shame more of the, our parents don't hear about the psychology. And that's yeah. what I've tried to do, sort of bring it to um, parents. You say, listen, this, this is really interesting. And now here's a really practical way you can do this. So that's 
kind of the goal, if you like. And do you think, like, you know, we often see people on social media and they're, they're doing all of this creative stuff with their children and they're spending loads of time baking with them. And, like, some of us just don't have that time. So, like, we shouldn't really feel guilty about that, should we? Oh, no, honestly, Fiona. And you know something? I, see, we judge ourselves very harshly, too, yeah. don't we? So not only do we feel we have to be this perfect, this vision of motherhood, you know, we, we think we need to be Mary Poppins, and then we end up feeling like Miss Hannigan, and we think <laughs> everybody else is Mary Poppins. But they're not. They're not in real life. And you know that whole social media thing, you know, baking cupcakes on Instagram and you put it up, but, but you don't really know what's going on in their real world. Yeah. Nobody posts the bad bits, you know? So again, it's about saying, you know, don't worry. We have a concept in psychology we call good enough parenting. And that's what we're aiming for. We have only have to be good enough for our mm. child. And if we can lower the bar, I always talk about the 80-20 rule. If you get it right, 80% of the time we are doing really well. And if you lower the bar, and do not worry about what anybody else is doing. You, you, we, not only we judge other people harshly, but we judge ourselves harshly. So try not to, to compare. You know, I suppose if a comparison is a thief of joy, isn't that true, really? And do you think as well um, that there's, maybe it's a society thing that we're trying to protect our children, but like I remember when I was a child um, and like I didn't feel unloved in any way, but my parents used to always just say, you know, get out and play. And uh, yes. Wayne Hilton was telling me yesterday tales of when he was a young fella heading off to go fishing. And, uh, you know, uh, is there a different kind of a, is it because of society and we're, we're, we have all these fears about protecting our children that there has been a change there in that? Now, you know, you've hit the nail on the head there, Fiona. I have a whole, whole chapter about this one. <laughs> yes, and it's true. I was saying, get out there on the road and play, and off you went. And that's so good for us. In, we learned um, social skills. We learned to negotiate. We learned mm. when to stand up for ourselves. We learned when to back down. We learned to become resilient. But I think now, because we, we have this vision of wanting to be perfect, and we nearly created the perfect storm, we've become scared. We overschedule our children. We warn them about dangers and we don't actually let them get out there and stand up for themselves. Mm. And one of the chapters I talk about is the real importance of stepping back and letting them be independent. And I don't mean to blame parents, I really don't. God, it's our natural instinct to protect them and you yeah. know, to shelter and guide them. But it's really important that we also allow them the freedom to learn and grow and, and become resilient. But I think there's a lot of fear as well around maybe like kidnapping and, you know, things like, like that. There are dangers that can happen if we just say to them, you know, head off out there and we don't know where they're going. Yeah, well, I suppose I'm not really saying send your four-year-old out at nine o'clock at night and say, go off there and come back when you want. But do you know what? It's, it's about safe risk-taking, Fiona. Mm. So we think, okay, and it's really individual for each parent. But you know, I always think of myself and my generation as the play date parents. Yeah. So we became so scared of letting the kids out the road like themselves that was play dates. And you'd be sitting having a cup of coffee and you'd hear yells in the other room and we'd all jump up and we'd be terrified. Whose kid had hit who? And you'd be thinking, please let mine be the injured one and not the one that's done the attacking yeah. or I'll be blamed. But we jump up and we monitor everything. And it's even about, you know what, if they're playing way out in the garden and they're having a row, 
don't get involved. Step back. Our children are so much more capable than we sometimes give them credit for, Fiona. Mm. So we think, what is what you would call safe risk taking for your child, depending on their age, of course, and allowing them to do that, allowing them to have a little bit more control, a little bit more autonomy, and it really leads to stronger, more capable children. And I think that's what our goal, like as parents, mm. That, isn't that what we want? You know, we hate the thought of leaving us in the end, but we do want them to grow up to be independent and strong and feel capable. And they will only do that if we step back a little bit and yeah. allow them to do it. And like I know with a lot of stories that we've covered here on the show um, involving teenagers who may be engaged in antisocial behaviour and a lot of people say, where are the parents? I blame the parents. So yep. is it very important then for parents and their teenagers to have an open communication and for the parents to make the children feel comfortable about coming to talk to them about things? Oh, Fiona, 110%. And funny, and when I'm talking about this type of parenting, I'm not saying don't do boundaries. I mean, I'm really not saying that. Yeah. In, to have a respectful relationship with your child, you have to have boundaries, absolutely and utterly. But it, exactly, the connection is the core of it. And if you try and develop that relationship with your children are younger, as they grow older, as they grow into teens, they are communicating with you. So they're telling you what's going on. Every family should have their own rules and their own boundaries, absolutely. Um, but if you have a respectful relationship, your teen is more likely to stick to the boundaries. And funny, Fiona, you know what I was saying about um, allowing that little bit of risk-taking? Mm. The research also shows that teenagers who are more likely to absolutely go wild when they hit 18 or whatever yeah. are very often the ones that haven't been allowed safe risk-taking when they're younger. But to see what they're capable of and to be able to evaluate risk, we have to let them learn it, if you they, like, as well, you know? They go wild when they get a bit of taste of freedom. <laughs> yeah, isn't that it? Yeah. Mm. And your book um, is out now. It's called Perfectly Imperfect Parenting. And you have said that it's not a parenting Bible with a list of all the do's and don'ts. So what yeah. can people expect when they get your book? I tell you what, I, I, because I love the psychology, what I've tried to do is take pieces of psychology that are relevant and pieces of research and explain them in a very simple way. But it's each chapter is sort of a different area of their social and emotional development. So I have a chapter on independence, a chapter on self-esteem, and a chapter on friendships, anxiety, a very big one. Yeah. Um, and I go right from preschoolers up to teens. And I've tried, I've broken it down. I have examples from parents, I've examples from my own life. It's it's very downward, if you like, um, because I wanted it to be relatable. I wanted, I didn't want parents to think, oh my God, what's here? Or I didn't want them to feel judged either. Mm. You know, it's about stepping back and thinking how we can be the best parents that we can be. That's what I really want. So I wanted it to be very readable for parents as well. Yeah, I mean, it's okay to make mistakes along the way as well. That's how we learn. <laughs> oh, exactly. And funny when we allow ourselves that grace, when we say to ourselves, you know what, I'm going to make mistakes. And even, you know, on a bad day and you lose your temper or whatever, and you, you mm. feel so guilty. That's fine. Okay, you messed up. So what do we do? We repair. We go back and we apologize and we repair. And we're also teaching them that we're human and they're human and we're modelling how to behave when you make a mistake, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we want them to know mistakes are how we learn. I mean, that's another very important lesson for them. And you say that like kids' brains need unconditional love to thrive. So um, the perfect parent really is just somebody who loves their children and shows them as much love as possible. 
Oh, Fiona, I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Oh, I'm stealing that line. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes, isn't it? Yeah. Just, that's what it really comes down to. It's that love and connection. It's that bond that you have with them. It, you know, it's at the core of good parenting. It really is. And I mean, as early as you can, when you get, if you get that bit right, don't worry about being perfect. Forget that. Put that out of your head. That's the one to focus on. Do they really know they're loved? And, you know, it, everything follows on from that. Brilliant, Mary. Listen, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Have a lovely day. And the name of that book for anybody who's interested is called Perfectly Imperfect Parenting Connection, Not Perfection. You're listening to Fiona Corcoran on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. You can call the show on 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Back after these. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. Obviously, the pandemic has taken away all of those opportunities to find a new partner or to just have some fun in the nightclubs around the city. Um, Everywhere has obviously been closed for the last while and people are resorting to meeting up with friends on a video call. And I want to chat more with the lovely Mairead Tuick from the newsroom um, just about how this has impacted on young people over the last year. Now, Mairead, obviously I'm an old married woman, so my social (laughs) life was gone before the pandemic kicked in. But it's not that long ago that I can remember what it was like to be in my early 20s and how important club life was. So how has it been not having the clubs and the late bar? open. Now, now, Fee, you've called yourself an old woman, but you're well able for the sesh girl. Um, Yeah, like, you'd miss it because there's so much to going out. It's not just about the night. Hmm. There's all the build up. There is making the plans and there's, you know, if you have a group of friends and you know, everyone obviously has a birthday each year, so you kind of have a guaranteed number of nights out and then all the nights in between the last minute nights and, you know, all the rest of it. But like being a female, you know, Hmm. there's so much... um, as I say in the lead up to it so like you've got a week of fun and then you have the night out and it culminates in that you know and then you've the memories after to talk about and like you'll never guess what happened last night <laughs> so like you've that, you've all that that like and as you said like the pandemic has just wiped that opportunity away and it's you know I suppose like we have the memories to look back on and we keep saying you know there are better days ahead and we'll mm. get it back and like it's you know it's something that we we can cope without but it's still still some bit of fun that you know that you would miss like and you can't you could you you have to admit that you would miss it because oh, when absolutely. it you know with something like when you can't do something you miss it even more now there is a joke going around that when they all reopen I'll probably be like oh I'd fancy a night in tonight you know <laughs> <laughs> but you like the dancing and the just meeting up with people and socializing and seeing people in person like you know and even for like team building for workplaces and things because that's it I mean in the grand scheme of things it's not hugely important but when you think about it and the the physical connections that you have with people on a night out even trying to find you know a potential partner or <laughs> you know I mean it's um, there's all that that goes with it and you know for somebody um, now I don't want to go into your personal life too much <laughs> but like you know uh, for somebody who is single part of finding somebody is going out and meeting somebody out on a Friday or Saturday night and you haven't had that No I haven't had it now in 
in what is it like I'd say the last time I went out was in February March time of 2020 and like even let's say this weekend it's like it's my birthday this weekend oh so don't happy it birthday <laughs> thank you and like I was only saying it to mom yesterday like at like I'd be working towards like planning the night out and as you say like you go out and you say you never know who you might meet you could meet the love of your life and I know you mm. were telling me the other day um, that you met your your lovely husband on a night out I was mm. like oh it gives me hope now you know <laughs> when we get back to it and that's what my friends would be saying as well you know as I said like there is better days ahead and like when you think about it every 25 year old is in the same situation right mm. now nobody can go out so everyone's going to be going back in and it's just going to hopefully take off you know where it stopped back last year but then you look on Snapchat and like you look at people in Australia because a lot of people you know that I know are out in Australia and New Zealand mm. and they're out clubbing and they're having a great time bingo loco you know going everywhere they had a great Paddy's day mm. so when you look at that then you feel you know I suppose you just have to get nostalgic and think back to the great nights that we'd out and say we'll get them again you know and obviously you've been able to talk to your friends on you know Snapchat and video calls or whatever but it's just not the same as you know meeting up with them and, and going on a night out and you know like you sent me a photograph there of you and me on a night out and we're all hugging and I don't know about <laughs> anybody else but I really miss the hugs <laughs> yeah exactly you do like and yeah that, that was a gorgeous picture that was up in at a Christmas party that we had like two or three years ago and it's hard to believe it was that long mm. ago but yeah it's just the human touch and you know even like shaking somebody's hand or yeah going for a hug or as, as we say you know going for a shift like so. <laughs> you miss all that like and it's um you know obviously like I'm lucky I live at home with my parents and we get on really well and sure you've probably seen all the TikToks and things and we're really close as a family so it's nice that way but you do you miss like hugging your friends and you know as I, I mentioned earlier like birthdays there's no there's just no interaction there in terms oh. of a hug or you know we can't even obviously meet up at the moment and even you know the way you'd be talking to your friends and you'd be chatting about whatever but I think like do you know when you go out and you meet people in the toilets or you're chatting to people <laughs> yeah. at the bar just complete strangers and you're telling the whole life story and that's all part of it as well and having the crack isn't it oh absolutely like that's a major part of it because like you know if you're <laughs> when you're out and you're saying where is you know where's Fiona gone oh we check the bathroom when you go in and you re- you're after making friends with loads of people and you know it's a really going into the bathroom on a night out is such a complimentary process because you could be doing your lipstick and someone's like oh girl that's gorgeous I'm like oh it's you know wherever you got it and you're brushing your hair you're doing your deodorant can I a spray of that and you just you're just making friends the whole time and it's really nice um so yeah like all of that is just completely you know I, as I say like I, you know it's going to come back again but at the moment like there are things when you think back to a night out and like I said earlier like it's such a process getting ready between doing your tan and shaving your legs like at the moment mm. you could forget well me personally could forget for weeks and end because there's nothing there's nowhere to aim for it to go like mm. so you, <laughs> you're not under pressure to do your legs. So you're not doing tan today for tan Thursday? Well no? actually I will admit that I am getting going getting tanned and I have tanning drops at home to try so I said for this weekend especially I better you know make the effort and <laughs> it's an excuse to put on tan but like I had to buy a new bottle of it and everything because like you know tan can go green if it's there mm. for a long time so like even that like that's a, a sign in itself how long like it's been since you, you put tan on but like 
getting ready for a night and doing your nails and getting your hair sorted, yeah. you know, it all goes a long way into like, you know, keeping you, it's, they're all little things that kind of can keep you happy and, you know, that kind of way. So missing all that, you like I found at times that I was kind of losing the run of myself and maybe not making an effort in appearance mm. and things like that. And that can make you feel down as well. And it can make the whole experience worse, you know, of the pandemic. So I think like in the last few weeks, I've been, I was watching, I love watching Netflix and there's a show on it, The Bold Type, and it follows, is a journalist in it. And I was just looking and I said, look, time now, make yourself feel a bit better about yourself and, you know, do the makeup, brush, well, brush the hair. I was brushing my hair, <laughs> but you know, it's just nice. And I've been like wearing kind of dresses and things coming to work. It's the only place that I'm coming to, mm. you know, that I can get kind of some bit dressed up. I'm not saying I'm coming in on a party dress or anything, <laughs> but it, it's Hey, just, we're not here to judge you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it, it's a little thing to do to kind of make yourself feel better. Mm. And you know what I mean? So I'm right. I don't know if you heard the conversation that I had there with Dr. Cloda Campbell, just around anxiety and about people who are now going to be, or in the next few months, they'll be coming out of their little social bubble that they've had in their home. And do you think that people will be anxious? Will you be anxious about going back into crowded places like bars and nightclubs? I mean, do you know, even after we've all been vaccinated, are there other issues like, do you know, before we wouldn't have cared if people were pressing up against <laughs> yeah. us. But like, do you know, do you think people are going to be quite anxious about things like that or just put off the whole idea? I think so, yeah. But I think the way it's going to happen that, you know, that like all of a sudden within a week or two, everything is just going to slip back into nor- normal again, like mm. the, the way we were used to. But I think initially it is going to be, you know, a big thing for people going back out because as you say, you won't have been used to people brushing up against you because I think people are really conscious of that now, even mm. in supermarkets and things, even though we're wearing our masks in there. Yeah, I'm still conscious of people are around or if there's too many people in an aisle so you're kind of moving along a bit but you don't have that kind of opportunity like a nightclub doesn't work if you have to socially distance so I do think it's going to be something for a little while that people are going to be really conscious of but I think after a while when people see how it's working I think people are going to become comfortable again but like it's never we're never going to shake it off fully because it's always going to be in the back of our minds but as mm. you said like before we, we were so carefree when we went out and it was never something we thought of but now it's it's I, I'm hoping that it will just, you know, return to normal after a few weeks after they open. And like, they're not going to open until it, it's 100% safe to do so. Because I even know myself just from my own job um, and I'm out meeting people all the time. And, you know, you go to meet somebody to do an interview and you automatically shake their hand. <laughs> and then, you know, sometimes you might even give them a hug afterwards. And, you know, for the first couple of weeks, it was really weird going out and meeting people and you'd be, you know, making a bit of a joke out of it. But now nobody even mentions it. It's just common practice now. So I'm wondering, is it going to be difficult for us all to get back to that way um, that we were before? Or will we even ever get back to that way? I think we will. I mean, over time, I think we will. But I think, you know, I suppose like the corporate handshake might, that might drop anyway. Do you know Mm. what I mean? And things like that will shake. But I think in terms of people who you're close to, in terms of your family and your friends, I think the hugging is going to come back um, because we're close, we're naturally, you know, a lovable, friendly nation that I don't think we're going to be able to shake that. And I think shake that, pardon the pun, but I, <laughs> I, I just think that, I do think that the hugging is going to, is going to come back. And because I, I don't know, I, like, I mean, sometimes I mean, at the very start of the pandemic, I'm sure plenty of people were forgetting that we weren't supposed to. And then over time, it just sunk in that, like, you know, things were getting progressively worse. And it was, yeah. you know, you, you get into that kind of mode. I think the elbow, the elbow bump is going to be 
be extremely popular. But I do, I think, as I say, I think family and friends and extended family are, are the hugging is, is going to come back and we'll become close and comfortable with it again. But it's going to, it, it, it will take time once things start to get back to normal for sure. Yeah, the production team are telling me here that Israel reports no anxi- anxiety in population in general from lockdown lifting, uh, which is good. And also, Mairead, in relation to Tan Thursday, Mary Jane, Glamity <laughs> Jane has just tweeted, she's listening and said tanning Thursday is still a thing for her in lockdown. So that's fantastic, I Mary lo- Jane. <laughs> I love following Glamity Jane on Twitter. And I was thinking about earlier, I was like, I have to mention her because she is an absolute legend. She put up a picture, a post the other day about men in her DMs and everyone should just go and look at her page because she's been one of the the things that has kept me going just lucky and I'm always sending her tweets to my friends and they think she's hilarious that's another thing I mean following you know the likes of, of Glamity Jane and uh, people on Instagram are just fantastic and TikTok mm. like that's really kept me going and um, I, we were talking earlier about Zoom calls you know and I was on one the other day I'm in uh, Balancholic Mockra but the Shandoon region did a kind of a, a murder mystery night and all those kind of themed nights they're really good fun and they can work really well if everyone's kind of on board you know and doing it on, on Zoom and like I was frozen sitting in the in one of the rooms at home with a blanket wrapped around me <laughs> we just we'd mighty crack and I think that's one thing that people need to focus on the can rather mm-hmm. than the can't look at what you can do don't focus on what you can't at the moment and if you if you can kind of take the positives out of it you'll actually find things you know to to keep you keep you going you know and if you can share that down with your friends and family I think it puts a smile on everyone's face because like as I was saying me mum and dad at home we, we could make a TikTok and it's the comments from people saying that oh you put a smile on my face today well mm. then that's great you know and if, if we can all focus on what we can do at the moment um and I look at and I, like it's a very serious situation that we're in, you know, and it's it's been really tough for people and it's been sad and, you know, it's an awful situation. So if we I think it's just about sticking together and, as I say, focusing on what we can do and, you know, trying to build each other up is so important. It is indeed text in early happy birthday for you, Mairead. So, Mairead, oh, what will you be doing? You. More Zoom calls for your birthday celebrations? <laughs> I'm not sure. I think I'm going to get a pizza and I'm supposed to be doing Swimming World, but it's just gone out the window this week. It kind of <laughs> like the window every week but we won't talk about that but. Brilliant Mairead listen thank you so much and a happy birthday and for thank anyone you. wondering Mairead was in a separate studio to me for that chat so we can't even have a laugh together in the same room so um, if anybody else is in the same boat are you looking forward to going out are you anxious about going out now just a couple more comments coming in on the public toilets issue Chris on Twitter says not providing public facilities whether toilets baby changing facilities benches etc effectively makes the city centre for healthy 15 to 16 five-year-olds with no small kids we need it to be much more inclusive it's also costing businesses by excluding many potential customers in relation to my conversation with Mairead, Maria got in touch to say now I feel like going out um, and Mairead's auntie is listening all the way in uh, New South Wales so good morning Mairead's auntie also um, just with regards to Dr Mary O'Kane's book launch I was meant to mention earlier um, if anybody wants to watch that she's having a virtual launch this evening at 7pm and you can get all the info on Mary's Facebook page Dr. Mary O'Kane back after the break This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Call us now 1850 715 996 On Cork's 96FM Welcome back thanks a million for all your comments and um 
comments coming in and calls coming in to us uh, this morning. Now, there's some freezing nights coming our way and it was actually pretty chilly last night and at this time of the year it can spell disaster for keen gardeners who've been out in the garden and planting things for the spring and summer. Let's get some expert tips on how to protect the garden when the weather turns. Daniel Leahy is owner of Kerryswood Garden Centre in Castle Martyr. Good morning, Daniel. Good morning, Fiona. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. Good so, morning. So, Daniel, obviously last weekend was a gorgeous uh, uh, weather weekend and a lot of us would have been out in the garden planting. Um, this weekend, it's not looking so good. So, what advice would you give to people to protect those uh, plants that they planted last weekend? Uh, well, it, the, the best thing to do is, if you've kind of gotten ahead of yourself planting um, like young lettuces or seedlings or, or any soft, tender plants, you can get a fleece, like a horticultural fleece, and like maybe just a couple of bamboo canes, and you can almost create a tent uh, mm. over it, and this will protect it from um, any severe frost. Try and make sure that the fleece doesn't touch the leaves because the frost will get through it. Um, and if you are even some straw, and you can uh, bulk that around any uh, freshly planted uh, summer bedding or any young vegetables like that. And is there anything in particular that doesn't need to be protected then or should we be putting these fleeces uh, on everything? Absolutely. No, no, not at all. It's just, um, so it'd be people who kind of got ahead of themselves a little bit with summer bedding and the fine weather. It was just, it might be it's a little bit early to be planting it out, but some people have put it out anyway. So it, they'd be quite tender to, to a frost. And also young veg, like uh, uh, lettuce uh, seedlings, uh, Annual, uh, annual basil, stuff like that, some uh, soft and tender uh, herbs, and um, any of those kind of young plants, hardy shrubs and stuff like that, there'll be no need. Like, I don't know about anybody else, but I went on a mad uh, dash around the garden and dug everything up, trees, plants, the whole lot, and replanted everything. But um, was that the right thing to do at this time of the year, or have I put well, my plants in danger? You know, you're, you're, it, it was, it's, a, it's an okay time to be moving stuff. Um, it I wouldn't be going, I wouldn't do it anymore. I wouldn't move anything now. It, uh, it, there's growth right now, so the, the roots will be actively growing, so you don't want to disturb anything now that's uh, currently growing. It's okay to do it when they're dormant. Um, you, should, you should be okay. okay. Uh, but I would leave everything uh, in situ now. Um, you can plant out from fresh new plants, but I wouldn't tra- uh, move anything. And how damaging can frost be at this time of the year? Um. Look, it, it can if 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 they're tender plants, it can be fatal to them. Do you know, um, mm. like summer bedding, that'd be particularly tender. Um, like serfinias, any of your trailing basket plants, they they'd be very very tender. They, they're used to nice warm sun, uh, conditions in a glass house, and then they're used they're, they're designed to be out for the summer. They they wouldn't tolerate a frost, so they they would be very tender. Same with young lettuce and stuff like that. That's just been freshly planted out. Have you got any advice for plants that people should be planting now? Because obviously we're still, there's still an awful lot of people at home and garden centres are probably the only thing that are open at the minute. Um, do you know when people are still going out to their gardens? So have you got any advice on things that would um, be a good plant to plant at this time oh, of year? Absolutely. There's, there's, there's loads to do in the garden. Um, like Now is a, an ideal time to be sowing seeds that you could be, uh, you could be sowing your summer bedding seeds yourself. You could be sowing still your lettuces and vegetables like that from seed. Mm. You can be preparing the beds also, getting them ready for planting out. Um, the, the more you prepare the soil, the better results you'll have, you know. So um, there's, there's absolutely loads to do. Like you can still plant trees and herbaceous perennials and shrubs. Um, it's just the, the tender uh, things we'd be cautious of. 
Right, and um, a question from a listener in terms of watering plants. Should we hold off on watering plants until later in the season? Uh, no. Pl- plants do, it will still require some water. Um, in containers especially, they tend to dry out a lot quicker. Um, depending on the, the plant, some are more drought tolerant than others. Definitely, like it's been quite dry um, mm. and it's been breezy, so plants are drying out. I can see it here in the garden centre. We, we're, we're constantly keeping an eye on everything and keeping it watered. Um, so no, make sure to uh, keep uh, moisture in, in the soil. And for people who want to plant little flowers in pots and stuff like that to yeah. put around the patios and stuff like that, is it okay to do that now or should we wait until the, water, the weather gets warmer? Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd ha- if it's summer bedding, you can plant shrubs and stuff like that into pots, but that's summer colour. I'd hang on just another couple of weeks to be planting it out, unless you have a polytunnel or glass house that you can start it off on to get them nice and big. But I'd be cautious enough putting them out because there's cold nights ahead and they'll be just starting again. Unless you, you have time to fleece and protect. Okay, and Daniel, does the Irish weather give gardeners like yourself a headache? Uh, no, it gives us a challenge. <laughs> it's a challenge. It's uh, it's always learning. You know, we're always um, yeah, figuring new things out and how to deal with different situations. But um, no, we we have a great climate for growing a lot of stuff. Um, where we, we can grow subtropical plants almost here, and um, we, we plenty of moisture. So we have a fabulous climate for growing stuff. Mm. Another question from a listener on WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Uh, Can you ask Daniel about pollinators? I have a little bit of sproutage. Will the frost kill them? Oh, um, they should be uh, on their apple trees, is it? They should be okay. Um, uh, Yeah, I don't know. They haven't said it's apple tree. They just said uh, pollinators. They should be okay. I wouldn't fear too much about them. They'd be fairly hardy. Okay, should they put a fleece around them? Um, if if they're fresh, I wouldn't think that the, the frost coming wouldn't be severe enough to harm them. I don't think. Okay. It's, it's the tender annuals that we're really looking out for, and the tender young leafy uh, vegetable plants. Over the last year, um, I know a lot of people are at home, and gardens have been a big thing. Have you noticed a huge increase in the amount of customers garden centres are getting? Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's it's you know it, it's great to see the younger people getting involved mm. as well. Like the first lockdown, it was all about just you you could feel the tension. Parents were just getting stuff to occupy the kids. But now they're coming back and they enjoyed it last year. And you can see the same uh, or see the same voices and names coming through. And, um, you know, they, they obviously got into it. And now they're they're doing more now this year. They learned a bit last year what, what worked, what didn't work. So it's I think it's been a saving grace for a lot of people. Mm. Um, you know... You know, it was the only escape, essentially. So um, it's it's been very good. And um, do you yeah, have to there, be, there's been a good increase. Do you have to be naturally green-fingered for gardening or can no. anyone do it? Anyone can do it, but keep it simple. You know, if you're not used to, uh, if, you, if you don't have a huge basis of knowledge, ask someone in your local garden centre for a bit of help. Mm. Um, bring in a picture of the garden. Tell them, kind of explain what you're, you're thinking of doing and uh, we'd be able to help. Um, and just start off slow, keep it simple, um, don't go mad, um, and anyone can do it. It's it's easy, just keep it simple. And you're looking forward to getting the doors open fully to business, yeah? Uh, we are, and we're looking forward to um, the lockdown being lifted so, um, you know, people can travel a bit more. And yeah, we've, we've had great support now online, 
Um, so we're, we're, we're looking forward to getting back into the swing of things, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. I think we all are. Listen, Daniel, thank you so much for contacting the show or for getting in touch with us this morning. Daniel Leahy, owner of Kerryswood Garden Centre in Castle Martyr. You're with Cork's 96 FM. And a message coming in to us here, belated happy wedding anniversary to Fiona and Gordon from Michelle Corcoran on text. Thank you very much, Michelle. Uh, that's your lot for today. Coming up tomorrow, I'm hoping to catch up with 11-time All-Ireland winner Breed Stack, who relocated to Australia at the start of the year. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation. The programme today was edited by Terry Brennan and produced and researched by Fergal Barry and I had Wayne Hilton here on the desk helping me out as well. See you tomorrow just after nine.